The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Right now, we talk about this uh, Irish study of people who have been stalked or harassed. It's revealed that in most cases, the perpetrators were known to the victims. Dr. Kira Staunton from UCC is with me, as is Eve McDowell, who is an activist and co-founder of Stalking Ireland. Um, you're both very welcome to the show. Um, Eve, if I can start with you, um, can you tell me a little bit about your own experience in this regard? Yeah, hi, Kieran. Hi. Um, so I suppose it was back in 2019 when I was stalked. Um, it took me a long time to kind of label it as stalking or recognize it as stalking. Um, it started off as just him coming into my workplace a lot, then him hanging outside of my workplace and talking about me to other people, him being everywhere that I was, that it was in public places. So, you know, you kind of question yourself over and over. And yeah, then it kind of escalated to him being outside my house him shaving off his hair and his eyebrows and his beard to disguise himself to be outside my house. Um, and it eventually culminated in him breaking in the back door of our house. Um, he came in the balcony and attacked my house night with a hammer. Um, and Triag was arrested then after that. But um, yeah, there was a knife from Viagra found at the bottom of the balcony. My God. Eve, when you say... Um it took a while for you to recognise it as stalking. How how would you have described it early on? How did you describe it to your friends? Did you try and describe it? Um, well, he was known to us. He wasn't in our friend group, but we were all living in Carib Village, so like student accommodation first year. Um, you know, he was known to everyone. So, I mean, we didn't really, none of us knew, I suppose, at the time, because you didn't really hear about stalking. Um, we just thought that he was a little odd. Um, there were people that had said that he had fancied me, but he had never tried to make direct contact and never told me that. So it was really hard to, you know, find, figure out what was happening. And then, you know, when I was looking for information, there was no information on any Irish websites. And then when you're looking, you know, um, to other countries as well, some of the information provided is quite vague or will only kind of cater to mm. that stereotype of it being the absolute stranger, uh, which is why the survey like was so important to kind of show that it is majority of the time someone known to people, um, and, which just echoes what we had been saying. And uh, d- can you remember at what point you, you like you became properly concerned about what was happening? Um, I suppose it was the day where I was in work um, early on to replenish the stock before the shop had even opened and he was outside the shop that day. My friend called in during the day, said she'd seen him outside, went to my lunch, I'd seen him again. Um, then later on in the day, I went to the pub, he showed up in the pub, so we moved pub, then he was outside the next pub, went to McDonald's, he was outside. So there was just that whole day of the constant, it was from like quarter to the quarter past eight in the morning until half 11 at night. Um, even then when I was coming back, you know, my friend was walking me home and he showed up at the estate mm-hmm. as well. So he spent, you know, the, a whole day just following me around. So when I realised that he was dedicating his time to that and was that invested to following me, and then again, when he showed up in the bushes below my bedroom window with his hair shaved off, that was, that was alarm bells. And... Another feature of the report, and we're going to be speaking to, to Dr. Kira Staunton from UCC, who's involved in the compiling of this report in just a moment. But another feature of it is that half of 
people who are stalked or harassed don't go to the Gardaí. At, at what point did you go to the Gardaí and what was the reaction? I didn't actually go to the Gardaí until he was outside my bedroom window with his hair shaved off and his beard shaved off, which, you know, looking back now, I'm kind of like, why did I wait so long? And um, I think part of it was there was no like national awareness around stalking or just like awareness on what was happening. Mm. I, at the time, was would have been intimidated, I suppose, to go and make a report. Um, and then, you know, just being worried what the response might be um, from the guards as well. And when I did report, I mean, I there was a couple of incidents that I rang in, but I mean, every time you ring the station, you're trying to explain the full story from the start. And it wasn't until the night before he broke in that a statement was taken, um, even though I had reported it a couple of times. And has there been a long-term impact? Because that's another aspect of the report. The the, the long-term psychological impacts. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm still dealing with it. He yeah. got out of prison there just over three weeks ago. Um, So, I mean, you, you kind of just become settled after three years of them being in prison and then they're out again and it's straight back to where you were in the first place. Are you looking over your shoulder these days? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm back in counselling and the release date was earlier than it was supposed to be. So I had kind of planned to leave where I was and go incognito and had, you know, this idea of what I was going to do. And then when you're faced with, like, I found out that he was getting out, I had about three weeks to kind of plan, um, come up with the plan and process everything, which was very difficult. Mm. And that's, I'm still dealing with that. Um, and it was such a shock to find out he was getting out so soon. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I don't think this is, I think it's something that will be managed and I have good days and I have bad days, but yeah. you never know. It, it could be something as small as or seeing someone that looks like him, um, you know, watching something on TV that triggers something and then you're waking up in nightmares again. It's not something that goes away. It's not a linear healing process. Yeah. Um, it's just something you kind of have to work on all the time. Well, listen, I mentioned Dr. Kira Sonson a couple of times from UCC. Kira, you're welcome to the show as well. So what what did your survey find in terms of how common experiences like Eve's are? Uh, well, thank you for having me. And first of all, let me say, look, this research has been prompted by um, Eve and Una and their consistent lobbying over the last two years. I mean, this research is a year and a half in the, in the making, uh, as you can imagine, and it's a direct result of Una, even Una being so vocal about their stories. I guess what this research does is um, shatters any illusion that people may have that this is an unusual scenario or it's an unusual case or that it doesn't happen very often and that even Una were unfortunate. What we've highlighted here is that this is a common occurrence and that this kind of uh, crime happens in the main between people who know each other. And this would be consistent with most gender-based violence. This is the reality. We now have the evidence to back up um, uh, the case of Una and Eve in saying that both could identify who their perpetrators were. And we have highlighted that over half of the respondents, and there were over a thousand respondents to the survey. So again, we were taken aback, in fact, by that level um, of response. 
over half of those who are able to identify a partner or an ex-partner with an acquaintance, i.e. somebody whom they know and could name, a friend, a work colleague or other. So well over half of those individuals were able to identify the perpetrator. Um, so again, this is very important from a policing perspective because it again shatters that illusion of the stranger danger notion. Yeah. So it's much easier to bring a case to the guardie when there is a strange person outside your house or there is a strange person delivering you unwanted gifts or sending you messages. It might be harder to convince a member of the force when it's somebody that you do know or somebody that you're highly likely to be in or have been in a relationship. Yeah, because I, I was going to ask that. I mean, is there an argument that the Gardaí needs specific training in this regard? Uh, because, you know, we, we heard Eve's experience there of having to explain the situation to several different people every time you, you call the station. And again, to, to, to be fair to the Gardaí, you know, you're right. A lot of the times you're going to be maybe describing somebody who who's going to be on the periphery maybe of your social circle or, or might be at the same social events you're going to be at anyway. And, and you know, from a remove, they're not there to witness it. You can see why they might have questions about, you know, your interpretation of how that person is acting. It, well, precisely. And I think what this research will do was will help us in training the guards and educating them around, well, at what point does what is essentially nuisance behaviour tip into something that you, is risky? And there's a clear escalation between the nature of those behaviours, where they're perpetrated, how they're perpetrated, and what they're designed to do. And Eve has alluded to it, they are designed to instill a sense of fear and control over the victim. I mean, these are not passing events. You'll hear, I've heard there from Eve the level, the depth that individuals will go to, that takes time, energy and effort, you know, to maintain that consistent observation um, of the individual. They are, in fact, fixated on that person. So we need to extrapolate, identify precisely what we've done in this report, is identify exactly the behaviours that the guardie can now look at, almost like a tick box exercise, and say, you know, these are all present, and there's only one way these are going, and that is in an escalating trajectory to something where there is a real risk of violence or a real risk of physical harm to the individual who is complaining. Dr. Kira Staunton from UCC and Eve McDowell, who's an activist and the co-founder of Stalking Ireland. And thank you both very much. And Eve, a particular thanks to you um, as well for sharing your story uh, with us. Uh, the Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.